Welcome back to React Roundup. I'm your host for this week, Jack Harrington. And with me is my esteemed colleague, Paige Niederinghouse. Hey, everyone. And we have a special guest today, Shirag Dugar. Hi, Shirag. How are you? Hey there. Hi. I'm doing good. What about you guys? So can you tell us a little bit about what makes you famous enough to show up on React Roundup podcast? Yeah, I wouldn't call myself famous, but oh, yeah. No. Um, Come on. <laughs> Don't sell yourself short. Okay. okay. So, uh, yeah. So I'm Chirag and uh, I'm, I'm working as a software developer in a startup called Chavez. And mm-hmm. it's based out of India. So here, you know, I've been uh, closely working on React for a long time now and uh, exploring a lot of things in that, you know, from writing codes from scratch and, you know, from optimizing them, from improving the code quality, code structure, and working a lot on that basically. Yeah, I get a lot of questions about that, about how to structure your code, how to uh, do things like CICD. And it would be great to kind of talk about your experiences going from coding school or college or university to into the real world and what you needed to learn to do that. So like, what do you think was one of the biggest things that you need to change when you made that transition? Okay, so I think the first thing that you have to change is the mentality. So you, you, you shouldn't be sitting and thinking that you are still in a college uh, and you know, you're working, you're making, you're not making a project now. You're actually right. building a product. There's a big yeah. difference in making a project and building a product. So the amount of, uh, you know, the thought process that you put in, projects are, you know, basic, you know, it doesn't matter as to what coding style you're following. It's just a one-time thing. But a product is something, you know, wherein you have to scale up things. You can't just make something and, you know, just leave it for the other person to come and figure out things and, you know, for him, you know ask him to fix them out. So uh, the major thing was that when I was transitioning from my college days to my, uh, you know, my uh, company, I realized that there were a lot of things that I didn't know about. You know, in college, you usually feel that whatever you know is everything. <laughs> but then, you know, when I, <laughs> but then when I came in here and you get to know that, you know, there's so much more to explore. There's so much more you can look into and identify. And you can, a lot of problems or a lot of challenges that you come across, which you'd want to cater to, definitely. Yeah. You, you start to learn that you know nothing. Actually, it's yeah. entirely the opposite. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, it's like, you know, uh, no, from knowing everything in college to coming to the industry and knowing that you know nothing. But that's exactly yeah, how it sounds like. I, I always find it interesting to see the different coding styles that companies have and, and try and figure Correct. out, well, you know, I, I think early on in your career, you're like, oh, this must be the way that it's done. And then you find out, oh, naturally, you know, it's done like 10 different ways. And that one's actually terrible. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. That, that's how all of us feel, you know, when I'm writing the best code uh, when I'm in college. And then when you come here, you're like, this is probably the worst code I've ever seen in my life. Uh, yeah. That's exactly, oh, my you know, God. Yeah. I yeah, mean, in fact, you know, even when you're working some in a, of the worst. Yeah. Even when you're working in a company and then, you know, it's been a year, let's say. So if you look back, uh, you know, look at your back and you see as to what, who had written this piece of shit. I mean, like, you know, you can't even, uh, <laughs> you can't even digest this. You're like, was it me who wrote all that? So, uh, <laughs> it's just so a phase. True. It's a phase. So yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. So, Shirag, one of the things that you mentioned was that you, were you actually getting to write React in college? Because that's <clears> something that I've heard from a lot of developers is that they start out writing Java or they learn C++ or something else that, you know, it may, may be applicable if you're doing backend development, but a lot of people don't really seem to get a lot of experience with front end before they actually get to their first job. So was that something that you did get a chance to use? 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, in my college, I had a lot of opportunities coming up on the way. So, you know, I had a lot of, there were a lot of hackathons which were being conducted in college. So hackathons are the best sources for learning any, any technology for the matter. You know, oh, be yeah. it React, be it front-end or a back-end stack. So hackathons were one of the, you know, major pushing thing, pushing points. And then when you start working on projects, when you start building something, you know, sooner or later, you realize that you've made something, but now you want to see as to what the industry wants. Or let's say you just start picking up small internships. It might be a basic one, you know, to build a basic web page or to have a website with basic functionalities. But when you pick it up, it boosts your confidence and it helps you, you know, get deeper into the, into the technology. So that was, you know, you know, and once you start doing a, a project or an internship, there's no going back. You, know, you look up to the next one and you look for more challenging ones. So that was the major, you know, push point uh, that helped me learn or probably, you know, make a lot of projects or work on, uh, you know, in a lot of companies as an intern. Yeah. So you would say that, you know, some of it was definitely learning in the classroom, but a lot of it was you going out and looking for those yeah. opportunities to expand your skill set and your knowledge and your experience. Definitely. You don't learn everything in the classroom. Industry knowledge is not something that you get while sitting, while sitting in the classroom. You have to go out, you have to explore, you have to you know, talk to people. That's how you get opportunities and you get to learn new things. And it changes so, kind of, so much. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it does. I was going to say, so what kind of um, advice would you have for people who are getting into the <clears throat> industry who are maybe still in college or still in coding boot camp? Like, how did you find those internships or make those connections? Like, how did you get out there and, and actually get into those positions? That's, in fact, actually pretty difficult to the start because when you're looking for your first internship, you don't have any experience to show. You know, when it comes to the second or the third one, you already have two internship experiences to show and the company can trust you on that. But when it comes to your first internship, it's just your projects that stand out. The first important thing is that you need to have good projects. You need to have projects that ensure or that show your quality of uh, knowledge in React or any any tech for that matter. Once you have that, getting your first internship becomes easier. And then you know, after that, after you get your first internship, then it's all around you know how you are hustling and how badly you want to uh, you know how fast you're finishing up projects, how fast you're grasping things and moving to the next ones. The more you you know you try to uh, do, the better you become. Totally agreed. So, Sorry. did you have uh, like a portfolio website, or how did you how did you show prospective uh, employers that you knew React, that you were you know you had the skills that they were looking for? Because that that is definitely something that I've heard from a lot of people who are just getting into the industry, yeah. and it is it is so true what you said. It is impossible to get that first job because you don't have the experience. But once you get the experience, then you can get the first job and it's just an awful cycle until you do. So, yeah. you know, how how do you, how did you do it? How did you stand out and say, I know what you need and I can do it for you? <laughs> so it was pretty difficult, you know. Uh, so I started out by making projects, as I told. You know, I made some projects and then, you know, I... Uh, opened up random portals and tried applying for internships because I wasn't getting anyone because, you know, because of the reason I just gave. So, you know, but I kept applying because there's no end to applying. You can always apply to n number of companies and you might not get a response from all of them, but you can still apply and you can keep trying. So that, that was just what I'd done. And maybe, you know, one thing that I couldn't do then or I didn't do then was making a portfolio, as you mentioned. A portfolio, mm -hmm. I realized after my college was a very crucial thing because you don't have to explain anything. Your, the portfolio does it for you. 
so it was only after college yeah. that i realized that you know i should have made a portfolio and uh, you know that would have helped me more that would have got me better opportunity as well you've also written some articles or do you think those would help people who are starting to look for or looking for jobs get your name out there yeah yeah definitely so i wrote a couple of them you know one of them was around uh, building a ci cd pipeline uh, using react and aws code build and the other one was uh, you know about using the best practices or you know for writing a react project so you know as in when you're getting deeper into a code base or react code base it becomes very important for you to understand that the structure that you're writing is that the correct one or are you messing up somewhere because if the base is not set correctly then anything after that you do is always incorrect and people start following you you know it's not that you know after mm-hmm. a tons of code have been written no one sits and no one wants to sit and revamp the existing code piece just so that they become better you they know that it, they can make it better but then who puts all the all these efforts then so right right uh, so this was something that i realized that you know if you're getting into a new company or if you're getting in any company for that matter and if you're working as a react developer then you should be looking at the structure that you're following that's very crucial that helps uh, you know you to understand as to what you're writing helps the other person your you know fe- fellow colleague to understand what this code says and makes everything makes your life simple basically you know that was what i wanted to put forward in my article uh, because i could see that me when i was working with my peers my colleagues there were different practices that everyone used to follow so you know everyone has their own thinking everyone has their own thought processes you can't say that someone's wrong but like you but you can surely devise or you can come to a middle ground you know this is probably a better approach you know all of us can follow this that was what exactly i was trying to do to you know get onto a middle ground which uh, probably you know if everyone uses it's going to become very simple for everyone to uh, understand code to make them readable scalable And I got to say it, those sound like great huge articles like doing CICD and project structure and all that. I think what people miss is sometimes like 500 words is a good article, you know. Sometimes you would just want to know how do I get the width of a of a div, you know? And that's it. Yep. That's it. I, it could be like one code fragment and a little paragraph above, paragraph below and now boom, you're you're published author. So it doesn't need to be anything huge, you know, just get out there with like whatever yeah. you got. Definitely. Less is more, you know, it's it's Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd I'd love to hear what are some of the best practices that you've learned about building React projects. Like, how would you, if you were going into either a new company or starting a new project, what would you recommend to <coughs> have a a good project that's going to scale and and be around for a long time? Okay, so uh, I I'll you know talk in terms of the article that I've written first, so that uh, you know it becomes easier to understand. So when we are writing any react code we all definitely you know every or you know at least some of the components require an api call to be done or you know interaction with the backend i have to say so now what usually we tend to do is have everything in a single component file you know we don't segregate the logical part and the ui part of it so that clutters the code as in when you're making the bigger as in when you're introducing more ui components more logics coming uh, coming and it becomes more difficult to understand what the code says and you know from where basically what are the touch points uh, to my backend so what i tried to explain in my article was to ensure that you fo- follow another format you follow a structure wherein you decide or you devise as to there's only a central point from where all your api is being hit there there are no multiple points or multiple touch points in your code 
there's a central source file which is responsible to trigger any backend code of yours. So, you know, that might be, you can structure that in multiple, uh, you know, terminologies or you can make multiple, uh, you know, logics behind them. But the one that I followed was having a comp, uh, you know, using a component split logic. So let's say if I have a component A and if that component, component A is responsible to fetch data from a particular backend API. So I wrote another file or let's say, let's call it a request file, which is responsible to call that endpoint. So what I had to do in my uh, component file was to just initiate or, you know, just in, uh, call the function. That does my job. You know, if I'm interested in knowing as to which API is being hit, what body is being prepared, I can always open that function in my request file and look up to it. So that ensures that I'm not cluttering my UI components with my uh, API parts. So it's keeping them different. And, uh, you know, by centralizing all this, now let's say there are, in, in a, as the project gets bigger, there's not just one or two API calls that you're doing. There are n n number of them. So let searching for them throughout the code base is a, another pain. Mm-hmm. When you're structuring them, when you put that in, you know, in a single file which says, let's say a URL.js, which has all the backend URLs that you're supposed to hit. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you can make an object, you can define what hierarchy it has to be. But when you do that, it makes it so much cleaner and so much more readable. You're not confused now. You you know if tomorrow if I have to add a new API, or I have to add a, if I have to do a new backend call, I just need to add an entry in my URL.js, and then I just need to call a function or define a function that is hitting that API with whatever the method you're passing to it with the body, and then you just call that function in your UI component page. So it, it makes everything very structured and very simple. Yeah. Have you done much TypeScript? Uh, I wanted to explore a lot, but you know, again, you know, as you are already, uh, so my company's code base was already, you know, set up before. So now oh, okay. so moving an existing project, no, it was not in TypeScript, but moving that right. to TypeScript was another challenge. You know, as and when it got bigger, it becomes more of a problem because a lot of dependency conflicts start coming in. So I'm still, you know, kicking, I'm, I'm fighting for it because we need TypeScript yeah. and that's like <laughs> super crucial. <laughs> nice, nice. So what do you think the big wins are going to be for TypeScript? Like what, you know, when you say you're, t- you're fighting for it, what do you, what do you tell your bosses? Like, hey, it's going to do this or whatever. That's another thing that, you know, not everyone understands as to what impact they're going to create using, you know, TypeScript. But then it's just that the developers, it's especially the developers who know what impact it can create. You know, we as individuals, when we're writing code, we get to know what the, you know, if this code is going to break, if I'm already informed about it, then I don't have to you know, break my head after it's gone to production. I, I know it then and then and I am solving all my issues, you know, at that instant. Well, that's something that, uh, you know, I'd want to pull in for sure. I mean, in fact, there are a lot of things that you want to pull in, but you can't do in everything at a go. You have to go step by step. You have to you know, transform things one at a go. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about um, the CI CD pipeline that you built. I'm I'm interested to hear how you incorporated React with this because when I've built them, it's only <clears> been either shell scripts or GitHub Actions or some kind of combination of the two. So how is it for for you? Like what what were you trying to build a pipeline for? Was it for work or was it for for school? Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So. Uh... You know, everything that uh, you do, you know, you, you have, you find a pain point somewhere. You know, a pain point is something that triggers, you know, some new learning or maybe a new development from your end. So that was exactly my pain point. You know, when I 
was sitting around and when i when it came to deploying things on my dev environment or my dev servers for the for the business teams to test i had to sit for like you know half an hour wait for the com- uh, com- uh, you know the system to build my react project then go and go to and all my uh, you know company's architecture is set up on aws so we use s3 mm-hmm. for deployments so i had to go to s3 you know upload that file wait for that validate cache and then all that process usually used to take 30 minutes that is to make my resp- uh, you know la- system unresponsive totally unresponsive so it's like when i'm building it i'm only building it you know i can't do any other work so that became annoying after a point because let's say when you had to make a small change you know let's say ui fix maybe or like a small tweak and push it to the dev servers that's again a pain you know you fixed it for 2 minutes but you have to sit for 30 minutes to deploy it so that's that's you know a, a, that was a very big pain point for me which you know which led me to firstly understand so i tried a poc initially you know i you know i hope you guys have heard of netlify so you know i no, tried that was hard, uh, yeah that was hard, yeah, yeah. so uh, you know initially i made a poc on that and i you know i tried doing it through that so it worked perfectly fine and it was uh, perfect but then since we had all our architecture set up here i obviously wouldn't want to create an overhead by having netlify in place so my next task was to ensure that i create a cicd pipeline on aws So when I researched a bit, then I got to understand that there was AWS Code Build, there was AWS Code Pipeline, which helps you, you know, uh, trigger actions, you know, beside a order of uh, flow. So mm-hmm. basically, you know, now what I had tried to set up was you just push your code to a particular branch on GitHub, let's say a dev branch, that automatically triggers your AWS Code Pipeline. The Code Pipeline is being triggered. Code Pipeline initially, you know, pulls your changes from the dev branch. it uh, installs all the necessary packages because it's possible that you might have in- initiated or included more dependencies in your fix so it installs the uh, mm-hmm. dependencies and then it attempts and it runs a build on its own system so my system is free you know i don't have to wait for anything and it posts that i've got to invalidate the caches as well so you know you write a small script for that which helps you invalidate the caches as well so in about 10 minutes you're good to go and you just have to sit you know sip a coffee and then In ten minutes, you have the website deployed. As you're gonna say, this is defeating the point. The idea is that you have 30 minutes. You can go off. You can play a couple of greater riffs in Diablo. You know, you can do. You can make some traction. You know, in your game, you got time, man. Like, how, why you want it to be faster? Uh, <laughs> so, okay, I, have you heard about uh, per branch deploys? Yeah, I've heard about branch deploys and I've used them on Netlify. They're really so fun. I've used them yeah. extensively. It's fun. It's, uh, it's, a, it's very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're thinking about like making those small changes, I mean, if you've got the thing where you're talking to your product manager and you're like, "Hey, maybe we can make it look like this or something like that," and then you you do a per branch deploy and they can actually see it in that branch and then go, "Yep, that's what we want," and and go. It's so much nicer than having like one. one branch that everybody fights over like the dev branch Definitely. you know and then that, uh, that's another pain you know don't even talk about yeah. that because when there are multiple people working on the same code piece and then when they, uh, all of them have to you know deploy together firstly there are right. n number of conflicts that have to come i mean they come and then you sit and resolve them and then you know you start deployment so The that branch is challenge. mine for the next hour yeah <laughs> definitely definitely i felt that you know I've, i've seen that throughout oh yeah, yeah. So how is your experience with um with getting AWS uh code pipeline going because I'm 
I'm assuming that there's pretty good documentation for it or good tutorials that other people have written to help you get started. Yep. I mean, AWS has great documentation and I have to say that. Uh, so I, yeah, I mean, I refer to a lot of uh, AWS documentation and then I refer to a lot of tutorial videos as well because it was not, uh, I couldn't find a one-stop place for all my requirements. You know, initially, mm-hmm. I firstly had to look up as to how to pull data from GitHub and then, you know, uh, pull the latest changes. Then second piece was to make sure that you're creating a build environment there. And the third thing was to invalidate cache. So all of them were in three different stages. So I had to, you know, look into three different things all together, then club them mm-hmm. together and then put it in a single place. So that is exactly what, you know, I was thinking when I wrote the article because it was me who had to, you know, look into multiple places to get this particular flow in ready in peace. But if I can put it down for someone else tomorrow, he's definitely going to thank me later for his, uh, making his life easier. Absolutely. I mean, future you will probably thank you later. Yeah. I can't tell you I've, I've written so many articles <laughs> that I end up referencing again. Who wrote this article? Oh, it was me. All right. That's great. <laughs> definitely. Makes it easy to follow. That's another feeling. That's a great feeling. Yeah. Because we always have, we all have like a set kind of structure and flow in a presentation. And it's because we're really just telling ourselves, you know, through an article and if, hey, if other people tend to like, like that style, and that's great too. But, uh, you know, it's good to see something you've, you've written. And even if you don't want to publish stuff, just having like your own markdown files or using something like yep. Obsidian or Notion or something like that mm-hmm. is just a really nice way to just kind of keep everything organized, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's a good habit It helps you as well, you know, because when you're writing yeah. an article, you are basically recollecting everything that you've done. And it makes your understanding even better. Exactly. Yes. Right. Uh, so, Shirag, tell us a little bit more about what Javas AI does, the company that you work for. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm interested to hear. <laughs> okay. AI. Uh, so, uh, yeah, AI is the new trend today. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, in Javas, uh, you know, it basically automates uh, purchase orders, automates parsing, PO, uh, purchase order parsing. So, you know, let's say a company or let's say a distributor who wants to place an order, you know, he sends over a purchase order that goes to a particular company. The company parses the... Pur- so, what initially used to happen was the company used to sit and the employees of those companies used to feed in every single detail on their own, manually. So, what Chavez enables is the automation, basically. You just pass in or throw an email on them, throw a document on them, and they have the ability to parse that document perfectly and feed it in all your systems do all the necessary checks, take care of your stocks, and then, you know, leave, directly just send it off for, dipl- uh, you know, uh, dispatching, basically. Are you actually yeah. using uh, auto- or artificial intelligence for it or machine learning at all? Yeah, yeah. We use, I mean, my team uses, but like, I'm not directly involved in that. But yeah, I mean, we have a huge uh, team for NLP, AI, ML, data, I mean, big data as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, accuracy is a big one on this yep, one. Definitely. And you and yeah. you when you get that accuracy that you need, it's it's you know, it's it's a great thing. You know, you're solving or you're making ninety percent or ninety five percent of the processing perfect, which is great. So is it just a React web API or web UI then, or do you have a are you using React in their places? Like where are you using React in this scenario? Okay. Yeah. So all the clients that uh, that uh, use Javis they have a portal to them. They have a company-facing portal to them wherein they can update all their information, you know, let's say, I mean, every stock information, be it, you know, product information, all their distributor information, and et cetera, et cetera. There are a lot of things that come in. 
so they have a portal them and uh, from there that interacts with our backend services which any and that's basically a sideline thing because when you're processing a purchase order you need all this information to ensure that the data is being correctly processed or let's say if and if a particular item has a stock or not is only when you look into its database you look into its tables and you find out that this item has this stock left so that is when you put it from the front end so that's an entire chain you know that's not just one mm-hmm. process that yeah, works yeah. completely fine it's it's a chain we have an admin console as well which is which is internal to jarvis and you know all the uh, jarvis customers support uh, people use that for you know obviously helping out or assisting with the clients with uh, with any issues they come across so which portions particularly do you get to work on cuz it sounds like a quite a large application overall so i've been working in jarvis for like 2 years now and initially when i started so i was the first person to start writing you know the entire code base so in this sense i've been lucky enough to you know start off with the with a code base that i wanted and uh, mm-hmm. so you know continuously modifying it throughout the years so i've you know more or less worked on the entire product be it the company side or the admin side i've worked on building different parts of it obviously it was not just me who was doing it there were a couple of my colleagues as well and uh, they built different parts and i built different parts so you know when you combine it becomes like a full fledged product Nice. And well, yeah, can you tell us a little bit about the structure of it is like is it nextjs is it vite what, what how you how do you build the application? Yeah. I mean it was uh, pure react there's nothing else because two years down the line I was just another student graduating oh, yeah. from a college knowing my you know my the information that I had and from that you know you start with I started off with react and then started to bring in changes bring in things that I felt was pretty good enough and we as colleagues also when we discussed we felt that these were the necessary things to bring in that's when we you know framed it step by step and yeah over the two years i should say that we have come a long way uh, when it comes to improvising the structure making things faster making them better making them more readable because readability i feel is the most important thing oh uh, no kidding oh, yeah absolutely yeah, i mean you can compromise slightly on your performance but you cannot compromise on readability because yeah readability is i mean if if no one else can read your code there's no point in writing the code yeah it's key to maintain what am i going to do with it definitely yeah. if you can't read it you can't maintain it and <laughs> just yeah, pull that sure. thing out of there i don't know i have yeah. no idea what this thing does <laughs> i'm just going to pull it out and, and the it best part is that you yourself won't have an idea as to what you've written or your back so yeah. you yourself are just in figure out okay yeah that's true So did you add any component libraries or any particular styling or what did you decide to do for the CSS and things like that? <clears throat> yeah, so uh, we used and design. You know, and I yeah. should say that and design is very good. And okay. I loved it. You you uh, you're happy with it. All right. I'm I'm very happy with that because you know in the past when I was not uh, you know I started and design only when I switched when i came to uh, my company and that's when i realized the power of and design it has so much it has so much flexibility it has so many components you can do you know literally everything that you want especially when it's a b2b product you know you don't need a lot of ui components in place you basically need the tables you need the drop downs you need the form elements and you need them to be perfect yeah, yeah. i mean that's where and design comes in and it you know help improvise or make things so easy uh, for us So that was one thing that we had. I mean, uh, the CSS. So another thing that I uh, we introduced was, so initially 
if you see that you don't have different environments you're just always working on a single environment so you have a single environment file let's say i'm using the uh, using that particular environment file you were trying to mm-hmm. run a production build or run a pro- or start your production server basis the endpoint that you put in let's say if i feed oh, in my production yeah uh-huh. let's say if i feed yeah. in my production backend url i'm starting my production app and if i'm doing my dev once then it's a dev app so another thing that we mm-hmm. put, you know pulled in was uh, segregating the environment files you no know, we had mm-hmm. we now have an environment file for production builds we have environment file for development so now what that helps is you know i don't have to continuously sit and toggle my uh, you know urls in my environment files and look up for the correct one that i have and sit and break my head as to okay this is not working and uh, i have to change my urls back and restart the server so you know this was another uh, pain point that we had which uh, you know which helped us a lot you know, by fixing them so do you do all that nice. by environment variables do you have like this is our you know you're in prod you're in dev that kind of thing yeah so now as of today let's say if i want to start my dev server i just do i you know in my script i just have i just have to write npm run prod colon a dev so that oh, automatically right. picks up okay. my dev environment files with all the variables that i have declared and it runs my right. dev okay. okay that makes sense okay. all right yep. very cool very nice good. so did you also add in uh unit testing and end to end testing or any of those other automated tests to help you know give you more confidence that your code was continuing to run as expected on the front end no that that's not something that we have, we have added yet but again you know as i told we have things down the pipeline and we want to add but we can't do everything you know at a single instant so this is something that we don't have the, on the front end right now because it is it's not a lot logic driven you know it has more on visibility on data collection it's not heavily logic driven so you know no, by not having that in the start is not affecting us it's not creating a lot of issues for us so we yeah we do have it in our minds that we want to integrate or we want to implement you know testing so that things become easier and we can manage errors in a better fashion then yeah interesting okay so in hindsight would what structural changes would you make now if you had if you were going to start today would you it sounds like you'd use ant design for sure sounds like you'd use typescript mm-hmm. Are there any other changes you'd make? Next year is okay. there. That's in my pipeline. Next year is I have TypeScript and then I have unit testing in place, and so, I want to have a proper documentation as well. You know, using uh, uh, yeah. I was exploring Docusaurus. Oh, Docusaurus um, is great. Yes, that's a really good. That's one. great. That's yeah. amazing, and that's so neat. I mean, I should again say that's very very clean. The design is very neat. So yeah, we have to get in fronting documentation is not treated to be super important by everyone. but you know when a new developer comes in and he sees as to you know what uh, you know if he's just you know mind blown as to what is this code i just want to understand yeah. this can you give me a documentation for that so uh, yeah that's going to help us out as well and <coughs> apart from that uh, we're also trying to componentize things so you know initially when we all started we had redundancies we had a lot of code redundancies because four people working on different you know parts of the code base all together for, you know putting in whatever they need at that instant right because right. no one no one yeah. can restrict to them and now what we're trying to do is we're trying to centralize components we're trying to you know make uh, reduce the redundancy by clubbing things which are similar and you know which i can you know just do by a component call so you know, one mm-hmm. example is a very simple example is an excel export that we had 
so there was a court piece in our you know so we have tables in our uh, court base a lot of tables in fact so all our tables almost yeah, require an export yeah yeah so all of them require an export you know because the clients need an excel format for it so they require an export yeah. so we had in, in implemented excel export there so now what happened was initially when multiple people were working on it everyone had their own ways of exporting that particular table set so everyone followed their own approaches so if i looked in if i have to look into the code you know one year down the line there was so much redundancy because you know everything was just repeated and there was no yeah. use of having all of them to get uh, you know in different different places when all meant the same so what we yeah. did was we split that entire piece of code and we turned that into a component with obviously passing passing to it a lot of props that made it more customizable by adding colors to the headings by customizing fonts by customizing values inside it we made a central mm-hmm. component and now what we do is tomorrow if i need to make a new excel export i just need to call that component with the props that it needs yeah so you know that yeah, that's yeah. made thinking minimal i don't have to think what i'm writing i just have to call the component pass what it needs and you know it's clean that's most important the code's clean mm-hmm. yeah the trick is always finding the one uh, components that are big enough to where people are like oh i don't really want to write that to not so yeah. big that they require a million props and are bl- and crazy you know Definitely. Uh, you know Configs difficult to use yeah yeah so it's finding that sweet spot in there that really yeah it's not like a button like oh i every just write a button but then then again you've got the yeah, design so you you already have buttons and things like that yeah. correct, correct, correct. Ex- excel export is a fantastic example for that yeah mm-hmm. and most importantly you need you know you need someone to take that initiative to convert that to a company because you know if no one takes initiative then it's always going to be redundant throughout yeah so, you know taking exactly. the initiative and then reducing that and then making sure that the next time everyone uses your component is something that you look forward to mhm speaking of that do you do code reviews oh uh, yeah i've been doing code reviews for fun yeah okay so if somebody makes their own excel export then you're like hey whoa <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm 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 very clear on that you, you can't make things that are already made i mean you don't have to make things you know why wasting time on that in fact you can improvise the existing one i'm completely fine with that and i'll be i love to do that but don't rewrite things that are not needed that's very simple. well that's yeah. a trick is to find the things that you want to reuse that, that that's often the correct problem. and that's where docusaurus right. might come in handy definitely and as the code base becomes bigger you you don't tend to find out what you need you know you just feel that you know who's going to look for an entire particular piece in the code base let's just make it on our own right so, you know that's that's where people get confused mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and then the code base gets out of control got <laughs> it messier and messier and sometimes it, it it can be just one little conversation like hey as you're going as you are, are dealing with this bug by the way we already have an excel export just fyi yeah. look over here yeah. you know one yeah, little conversation that, that, can keep over a ton of work definitely and, and that's another you know a good feeling because when you know that someone's finding a challenge and you know is not able to or is looking for another approach to export uh, you know in an excel and when you already have that built you tell them right it's already done you know yeah you don't that. want to run into that that circumstance of the guy being like yeah but my excel exports better and you're like yeah, oh definitely. no <laughs> oh man no <laughs> not again uh, right exactly uh hate that well i was just going to ask you know you were talking about bringing in new developers to a code base so you know good documentation 
good structure that is easy to follow and replicate? What other pieces of advice would you have either for people who are coming to a new company and just kind of trying to get familiar with the code base or for people who are already working somewhere, helping people get ramped up, new people who join the team? So I think the first and the foremost thing is to let give some space and time to that person, to the new person who's coming in, because he needs to understand what you've written. You know, he's not used to what you're writing. So he needs to understand, you know, let him take a couple of days or three, depending on the code base, and then let him understand how things are written, what structure the company follows. And because now he's, he's expected to follow the same structure. You know, he can't bring in his own structure unless it's better than the existing one. So mm-hmm. that's the first and foremost thing. And yep, after that, you know, it's all about communicating. You know, if I have, if I'm reading something, if I don't understand who's written it, I mean, if I don't understand what's written in it, you know, I go back to, you know, you go back to the developer who's written it, ask him, what is this? What does this mean? You know, can you tell me more about this? And that's how you'll learn more about the code base. And that's how you'll, you'll be able to grasp things, you know, faster because you might not know everything. You know, why is this code piece written is something that you don't know of. And only the person who's written it knows it. You have to go and you have to ask him, so what this means and uh, yep, then that'll make you understand things better. Yeah. Yeah, another thing nice. you can do, if you know you're going to be onboarding someone in the next several weeks or month or whatever, then as you're going through your, the bugs that you're trying to deal with, you can kind of take the ones that are pretty easy to do and, and kind of carve those off and right. be like, okay, that's for the new person. And then that gives right. them a way to kind of <clears throat> get into that yeah, that code base is a lot easier. It's like, oh, yes. all yeah. I need to do is change this piece of text. Okay, I got to go okay. and figure out like where is that piece of text, you know? And if it, yeah. if you got localization, then they start learning about localization. Oh, I see. It's not it's not hard coded in the. It's actually over this file. Blah blah blah, mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah. Save some. You, you have to you have to go. Yeah. You have to go to start it simple. You know, you can't uh, run into mm-hmm. complex things. And by starting simple, the the person is going to be super comfortable and he's going to have a confidence booster in him. But, you know, if you just drop on the most difficult or difficultest of tasks on him, he's just, he's like, I am done with this. I'm, I can't be here anymore. Right? Exactly. Right. You don't want that. I had to Excel export. I don't know anything about Excel. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's actually really easy. Definitely. You got this component over here. Definitely. You're going to love yeah. it. It's going to make you feel like a superhero. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Shirag, are there any questions that I should have asked or we should have asked along the line here? Uh, no, I think you've pretty much covered it all. Everything, you know, more than what I had uh, in my article is something that I've spoken about. <laughs> that's, our, <laughs> that's our thing. We kind of get in there and take a look around. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, it sounds like it's time for picks then. So, uh, Paige, why don't you start us out with your pick for this week? Sure. So my pick is going to be a VS Code extension that I was just made aware of this week. And it has no purpose except that it is adorable. And it's called <laughs> VS Code Pets. Um, it is, it's so cute. So it's just these little 16-bit animals that you can download and they'll hang out <clears throat> in the bottom of your VS Code uh, editor just on in one little corner and you can... I mean, people have contributed cats and dogs and there's um, there's a crab that somebody made and a parrot and all kinds of just random little animated characters. And they just hang out. They run around at the bottom of the screen. The cats climb up the side. You can play fetch with them. 
it's really cute. So oh, I, mean, I just installed it. It's I love it because I've just got a couple little little cats running around back and forth. Um, yeah, and then you can you can always close the window too if they're being too distracting for you. So <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. you know, it's fun to look at them in your writing code, and that's that's the mine. Okay, so VS Code pets. All right, mm-hmm. sounds good. We'll put a link in the description. And uh, for me, I found a thing called Raycast. It's if you're on OS ten uh, or you know Apple, basically. Uh, it is essentially, I would say, like a replacement for Spotlight. So if you use command space a lot, you know, to bring up mm-hmm. an application <laughs> or whatever, uh, this is a much better replacement for it. It is much faster and it's got a whole store of extensions that you can bring in. And some of them are very valuable, you know, like AI extensions and others are not so valuable, like a, a, a meme generator that generates memes on the fly for you, which actually I found really good because I use memes a lot. Um, and yeah, that's it's just really great. And it, actually, you can extend Raycast. And the way that you extend it is React. So, you know, it's, it's good for us React devs because it works, works like we do. So there you go. Nice. Uh, Shirag, nice what do you... Right? There you go. Shirag, what's your pick for the week? Okay, so uh, uh, there was another package called Commit Lint. You know, Commit Lint yeah. or Commit Lint, I'm not sure the name. But like, you know, that mm-hmm. was super super good because, you know, commit messages are a, another pain. Everyone writes Ugh. their own format. They just try it. Mm-hmm. You know, fixed, bug fixed, issue solved. And there's no sense to it. But uh, just by introducing that, you know, you are ensuring a structure that's being followed when it comes to writing a commit message. So, you know, that definitely helps nice. in a lot of readability and uh, yep i think that was a good fix okay yeah absolutely yeah absolutely a really good commit message can mean it can be fantastic and and it really is hard to like come up with them especially when you're doing like your cicd debugging it's always like, yet another try at blah blah, right. blah 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 yet another try to get the environment variable set yeah. probably yet another this yet another that you know and like you have like 20 yeah. different yeah, which, yeah that's craziness. <laughs> all right, has been wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show. Paige, good to see you again. And we'll see you all next week.